We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 153 of the Beyond 90 podcast, Australia's longest running women's football podcast. This is Eric Subiano hosting once again and apologies for the delay. Uh, we're recording late on a Tuesday night because I was watching Australia versus Philippines in the basketball, the Women's Asian Cup on Monday night. So we had to delay it. I'm joined by uh, my usual two compatriots. Does that make, is that the right word? Who cares? Anyway, uh, fellow Sydney resident Dale Roots and uh, Brisbane resident Magella Card. So uh, it's that time of year that uh, the World, World Cup gets so close. Tickets are dropping into the official FIFA World, Women's World Cup ticketing app. You get merchandise, both official and unofficial, springing up. And Madge, um, you are currently downloading the FIFA 23 Women's World Cup update. So yes. you are so excited about this. I am. I saw the tweet because, I, you know, I have actually been going just turning on my Xbox and just like starting the game to see have they dropped it yet? Have they dropped it? And I've done it so many times. I've decided, right, no, I'm just going to give up. Just saw a tweet. Someone else already has it up on screen from Matilda's active. So I'm like, oh, excellent. It's up to 19%. <laughs> so I think by the time the, we're done recording here, I should have it all ready to go to start playing and winning the World Cup as Australia. I can't yeah. wait. Yes. Um. Actually, I will probably, um. once it's done, I've just have a little research project for you. I just want to see the ratings of the Philippines players. I'm very curious. But <laughs> You know but what? Yeah. I also hope that because I remember every version previously that Australia was in it, they weren't in the standard version this time. Um, Caitlin Ford never got a proper face. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, wondering uh, who's got proper images and even if they do, how badly have they been butchered? Yes, that's that, that will be, and that I think that'll be all over Twitter and Instagram. In yes. the next few days i can't I, wait yeah, for the, the players NWSL to figure update out that they look to go yeah by. yes that they look like you know thumbs through a meat grinder there was um, <laughs> there, there, there was some shockers already so uh, someone will be bald yeah. <laughs> we'll yes. find yeah. them yeah. yes okay but that's a question for later uh let's do uh the week's history lesson and it's a very very famous name we wish she was playing at uh this World Cup, but at least we will get to enjoy her insight in the media coverage because Cap 153, Elise Kellen Knight, as we work through uh, all the Matildas who made their debut in 2007 against Hong Kong, uh, KK, as we all, as a lot of us affectionately know her, made her debut then. And 16 years later, although she is injured, she's still very much an active player. 115 appearances for the Matildas. Only two goals, which is possibly a little bit surprising for someone of her technical ability. But I think, um, I think before off mic, we were discussing KK often taking the free kicks. And and um, I do wonder how many assists she has, because I reckon that's quite a bit. But, you know, one of those goals, very spectacular. Dale, thanks for reminding me. The Olympico against Norway. One of only two players to have ever scored an Olympico in the World Cup. Uh, the other being a Chilean player from... Oh, sorry, a Colombian player from 1962, whose nickname went on to be El Olimpico. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, that's... Just, we almost saw a friend of the podcast, Marissa Lodonic, uh, fall out of the second tier of the Stardenese 
when that ball went in, and <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was a time that was a time to be alive. Oh and I'd like to remember that that was when that game ended. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, one of the one of the one of the great ones. I've, I'm just having a look through her record at the moment. Uh, 14 league goals in you know upwards of probably 150 league appearances, which is uh, kind of speaks to her distribution. Yes. Yeah, distributive <laughs> yes, quality. Yes. Uh, definitely not one of the players who I, as you say, Eric, I mean, I definitely think of her as a free kick taker, not necessarily from a direct free kick taker, but one, one to lob it in and, and, and provide assists. But I mean, one of our greatest and most technical players of the last decade and a half, really. I mean, she's, she's you know, one of the greats, literally one of the greats. Yeah. It's also it's amazing to think uh, I'm really bad with my years, but which World Cup was it where she was uh, left back of the tournament? Left back was 2011, I think. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's it's uh, we, she's just become so synonymous with like being that number six. Uh, that's you know uh, when she started playing there, it was like this is wonderful. We want to see you there forever, KK. Unfortunately, um, I think she she had to put, go back and play in that left back position a little bit more than we uh would have liked occasionally with with uh with different injuries in the team but um yeah just her ability to control the play and make those uh under pressure decisions in that six um was just wonderful to see um when, when we had her playing there so um yeah it's uh it's a it's a pity that she's had you know such uh, just injury after injury uh, in her later years, which has, uh, I think, really robbed us of of some seeing some some more great football from her in the later years. But really looking forward to hearing her insights during the World Cup uh, in her media gig that she's got coming up with with Channel Seven. That should be great. Yeah, very interesting team. Um, uh, Do you just want to point out? Uh, uh, it would be remiss of us to not mention her. 2016 Olympic yes. campaign where yeah, she was famed you. for you. one of the great moments in football history where she <laughs> stopped Lisa Devanna not drinking out of a water bottle. Um, I don't have I don't have the sticker. We've got a Matilda's active sticker for that but, exact moment. Yeah. <laughs> one of the great Matilda's moments. <laughs> uh, yeah, you always no. seem like one of the thinkers in the team. Yes, <laughs> I mean in that instance. Of. She definitely was one of the thinkers. That is correct. <laughs> so uh, KK famous for assisting goals and on that occasion, assisting hydration yes. for Lisa yes. Devanna. I think, you know, it's important to be a team player, especially where, <laughs> you know, sustenance and hydration are em- employed. <laughs> We're gonna, I need a moment to compose myself. But yeah, thanks, thanks for yeah, remembering uh, two iconic Tilly's moments um, created by Elise Kellen Knight. And... Yep, I'll enjoy listening to her, and I really can't wait until she's actually back on the field using that incredible left foot to to not score a lot of goals, but to basically put balls on a silver platter for her teammates. Now, uh, hot topics, and uh, as why is it? It's just bad news, and the bad news keeps coming as we get closer and closer to the World Cup. So, uh, FIFA Pro, the uh, International Players Union, basically trashed the. Ent- Basically, the entire approach to how uh, women's national teams qualify for tournaments. We've linked to one article uh, written by friend of Beyond 90, Samantha Lewis. And there is also uh, a tweet embedded from The Athletic, although, of course, that is behind a paywall. But basically, uh, 
with the main takeaways uh players taking uh unpaid leave to play in these qualifiers which is suboptimal 66 percent of players are polled um the inconsistencies in scheduling duration format and conditions um then just you know the usual like things we would the hope of standard the duty of care medical uh standards a pre-tournament health checks i think uh disturbingly large number of players surveyed said they weren't didn't get an ecg check before the tournament but all the other stuff accommodation recovery facilities blah 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 i'm not sure if this is in the article but i did think of the um classic afc approach of let's minimize the day the days of rest between games and this wasn't a world cup tournament i am I was thinking of uh, the Matilda's qualification for the 2016 Olympics where they all went to Japan and they had to play five games with exactly one rest day between those mm. five games. And I think, funnily enough, Elise Keller Knight, one of the two Matildas in the 18-player squad for five games in a week that played all the, all 90 minutes in all five five games, so 450 minutes. I think Emily Van Eggman was the other. So, what well, I mean, that's I think that's not... World Cup qualifying, but consistent to my point that that is not, I think, a structure th- um, that has player welfare in mind. Yeah, it's one of those difficult things. Yeah, that, I mean, well, I mean, with, with, with the recent professionalism of the game, it's 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 one of those issues where, on one hand, you can understand why the history of the game has had some of these uh, less than ideal qualifying tournament conditions um but then as as we move towards hopefully longer term more robust competitions better better conditions for for players uh you know fully professional but becoming fully professional like we need to make sure that we're lifting all all boats with with the tide as well that it just doesn't become well UEFA and the European teams are fine. US and Canada and their group are fine. Uh, and, and Australia and, and, and the other powerhouse nations in, in, in AFC uh, tick along okay. But how do we spread, um, spread the professionalism of the game further than, than, than where we are at the moment? Because, yeah, until we can do that, expanding tournaments and, and making them longer you st- you're still going to be coming hit, hitting up against that wall of semi-professional players having to make huge sacrifices uh, just to represent their countries, and um, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. But I mean, I mean things like uh, prize money, money from or participation money from the actual um, confederations going to players directly, perhaps is is like with the FIFA prize money, um, making that that small change. Uh, maybe that's that's one of the things that can be done. Sorry, Dale. You're at... oh, you didn't want to say something? Or... No, I completely agree. I was, I was exactly what I was about to say. The, I think the probably the best way to fix this is, or fix is probably too closing of a word, but to improve this is definitely, I think, the, the stipend idea that Madge was floating mm. in terms of in terms of prize money. But like in for a lot of these, like, for, for a lot of these tournaments, there is no prize money for want of a word. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you're qualifying for a tournament and the Olympics is, I mean, it's the Olympic, the Olympics is meant to be. And I think women's football is one of the only places where this really happens is it's meant to be a celebration of amateurism 
And unfortunately, amateurism and women's sport, especially at the moment, is something that we're trying to devolve as much as possible away from uh, in terms of, you know, getting these players paid and, and getting these players looked after. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I play Sunday League on a, you know, artificial pitch every weekend, but like I'm not up for an ECG, but I'm also not like the best player in the world. Um, and and these players who are who are among the best players in the world deserve to be deserve to be compensated for the, the efforts they're putting in. And and I think that I, I don't think there's two ways about that. I don't think there's there's much of an argument in in terms of even if you look at it as a from a, a case of oh they don't bring people into the seats, you know they still need to be paid. They're still being paid. They're still they're still putting themselves out there and they're they're taking time off work. But they need to be compensated. Yeah, and so that uh, nicely in terms of. Um, it being a similar topic, but not nicely in terms of the subject matter, ties into a brilliant article. Thanks, Madge, for flagging this right as uh, right um, before we started recording. And uh, the brilliant Sophie Lawson via ESPN uh, written an article, Jamaica and Canada still feuding over Women's World Cup funding. It's less than a month away that the tournament start. And that is uh, no bueno. Um, so, I so sorry, I, I shouldn't have included Canada in my example before. Perhaps. Uh, I disagree. I think that Canada boycotting is the best thing that could happen to this tournament, uh, and I would like that to be put on the record. I, uh, I, I. Anyway, moving I on would, seriously. I would. I, would, <laughs> I mean, I, I can see. I can Eric see the little silver lining in, in the dark cloud. Desperately <laughs> trying to distance himself from these comments. Well, well, no, well just, am I though? Because I'm. I've got to say, and I can and hear, I, I can hear all the Melbourne fans screaming right oh, now. Where's our Matilda's go, game? But I want to go to the game. We're <laughs> both of us. Oh, I've got to get me coffee. <laughs> Melbourne, just wear black somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> the 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 cooked thing about this is like, this is not, uh, and we were talking about this off pod, uh, off mic rather. Like, this is not just the women's team in terms of. Yeah. Canada I know that Jamaica is a slightly different thing because obviously they're like a, a they're a significantly less funded federation mm-hmm. but like Canada soccer at the moment is so deep in trouble um they host the world cup in a men's world cup in like two and a half years and they are just deeply cooked at the moment they have no money they're looking at not paying their men's or women's players they are looking at not being able to basically keep up any age group or uh, like youth team at the moment, potentially not even with their Canadian Premier League. There's a whole thing around this with venture capital and investment funds that have uh, invested in this uh, Canadian Premier League that are now not seeing a return. You meant to have this women's league that's going to be starting in 2025. And as much as I love the country of Canada and the people of Canada, they have absolutely cooked their goose here this is like this is melbourne storm level of bad accounting um it's not good it's not good i mean hopefully there's only one set of books and they all get to keep their boats um but yeah it's it's not great it's not going well i didn't expect it to go to melbourne storm but here we are thanks once again dale for taking <laughs> I've often us said on the canada adventure. is the melbourne of australia <laughs> And that I want it to be on the other side of the ocean. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. The Jamaica thing, I mean, we talked about, I think it was last week, we were talking about the fact that they're, like they've had a falling out with the Federation. The Federation was looking at not paying, didn't pay them while they were over here for the Cup of Nations. Or, 
But even I, I remember back um, in the lead up to the France World Cup, the same thing was happening. We they, uh, they were fundraising back in 2019 as well. So in four years, there's been what appears like zero progress which is wildly disappointing yeah I remember during the during the France World Cup there was a lot of like positive press around them because they had that coach who was looking to get as many players as possible into American college systems Mm -hmm. um, through players that had either been born in the States or were eligible for a a permanent residency through like grandparents or or things like that. And I think that that goodwill for the women's team has just gone completely out the window. I feel like with Jamaica, they're in this, they're in this very, they're in very unique is not a very good use of words. They're in this unique position where because of colonialism and Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the effects of that and migration back to England through like the Windrush generation, they're able to call on players in the men's game who are Jamaican by parentage. And it looks like they're really relying on that in terms of the men's game. And because of that, they don't feel like they have to make these same kind of connections when it comes to the women's game. Yes, there are players who play in the US and in the WSL uh, and I believe in the Scottish Women's Premier League as well, who are kind of you know, descendants of of, of Jamaicans um, who have then gone to the US or gone to the UK um, and, and kind of apply their trade, but they don't, they, they're not looking at the moment to make as much of the players that they have on home soil as they have with like Bunny Shore is the perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's due to the fact, I mean, of, of my limited reading of it is that they've, that they've, the, the coach who was there is just not able to keep doing what he was doing previously. You know, we all burn out and now the, the FA is now, or the Jamaican football federation is now not able to kind of provide them with the same kind of support as they were previously. Um, whether that's administering these college applications or looking for players or whatever it is. And, and that's, I mean, they were such a good news story at 2019. Yes. They got flogged by Sam Kerr individually, but like they were such a good news story and their fans were so much fun and, you know, they played a good brand of football, but yeah, it's just, it's a shame to see. Yeah, so let's try and cheer things up. Um, can't have a World Cup without an official song. So I don't remember this happening for the Women's World Cup recently. I think uh, people of a certain vintage can remember a couple of official songs for the Men's World Cup at least, but uh, the official song is announced. I'm going to sound so old reading this because I have no idea who these people are, but it's called Do It Again and it's by Benny featuring Morat. Okay. I, I assume those two are people or entities or whatever. But the point is, it'll be released on the 29th of June. And uh, I sound confused now. I'm sure I'll be sick of this song by the end of the tournament, but that's a problem for later. But I don't know. Do you have any particular thoughts about the uh, Women's World Cup song? Or just... just I hope They'll, it's good. I, I hope, hope it's, it's a good. banger. Yeah. I hope, you know, we can sing it at karaoke throughout ah, yes. World Cup at some stage. That'd be fun. It's an underrated an uh, underrated um trait of good music is like the ability for plebs like us to to at least make a decent Exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. It is it as long as it's as good as halfway there when the teams came out at the last World Cup, oof, tune. Uh and I think you're right in saying that this is the first uh the first women's world cup official song because i can't see any information of a of a uh 
like a, an official Women's World Cup song for 2019. There have been. I was saying to Eric uh, before we started that the only, when I think of Women's World Cup and songs, the thing that pops to mind is uh, J Lo singing "Let's Get Loud," mm-hmm. but not as Good an shout. official song, but just Good shout. big pregame uh, entertainment. Uh, my thought is "Cup of Life," and yes. not a Women's World Cup song, but here we all are. It is yep. the classic. Yes. It's a tune. <laughs> it is. With, a, and... with the name Do It Again, though, I, I do kind of hope that it's got a Kylie riff in the background, but that's just me. And my I mean, we do need a diminutive central midfielder uh, reference, and Kylie, you know, I think she could do a job. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, she was a street fighter. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a kicking budgie. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Great reference. Oh, so uh, shout out to uh, Alex Lucas on Twitter because I just remembered his tweet where he, Alex Lucas, by the way, must have the most chaotic Google alerts um, around because he, he is collating news from all kinds of countries. I don't know how Alex his does Google it. Google alerts are triggering my ADD <laughs> yeah, like sorry. nothing you would believe. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, did, uh, he did tweet that um, set to announce their World Cup squads this week, the Republic of Ireland, New Zealand, Brazil, Netherlands, and Spain. So look out for that. Perhaps um, maybe even Ireland might be out by the time you listen to this podcast because that is supposed... They even moved that forward. I think Ireland's going to be Wednesday night Australian time. And but... Eric, you'll be so proud. I actually went and watched the the Ireland versus Zambia game. Oh, man, I, I'm supposed to do that. I got... So someone sent me a link and I still have to do that. But yes. um, Yeah, so in, in, that would be a good look at um Ireland's fringe players because, of course, the Americans haven't joined yes. the camp yet and Katie McCabe was just not allowed to play. So... And my yeah. only thought was when they were going through the the, the potentials for, for making the squad, uh, they did not have Megan Campbell as a lock. And I, I don't care. I just want to see her long throw in Australia. Yes. I think we need yeah. to see That's it. That's all we need. Yep, uh, a country that made throwing things a long way, <laughs> you know, a cultural phenomenon for 40,000 years. Uh, I think that we need a long throw at the yes. World Cup. Also loving that uh, Canada's preparation camp roster is being promoted with the tagline, the climb begins on the flattest, driest continent on Earth. <laughs> Are they aware that the highest point here is like 40 feet above sea level? <laughs> um, well, yes. Um, but it, it, yeah, it, 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 there's a reason. There's a Tour de France and not a Tour de, Tour de Australia. But um, yeah, back to oh, boss. By the way, Madge, what did you think of the rainbow numbering on the back of the island kits for the? Yes, it was Zambia? lovely. It really looked nice. very nice on the yes. green. Yes, and uh, I still haven't bought that jersey yet. But I'm like, ooh, maybe. Ooh, yes, my bank um, account is. I I would. I need to get on with it. But as Dale knows off mic, I am having terrible issues getting my Mackenzie Barry football ferns jersey. So I need I need to sort this out and at least figure out a way mm. to get things in into my hands before I order more stuff. Um also oh speaking of squads, that kind of links into uh the FIFA 23 Women's World Cup update. I mean, my thoughts before I throw it to um, the gamer. I didn't know she was such a gamer, but I'm glad to know this now. Madge, apparently, like, happy to multitask and... Yeah, are you, are you looking at me, I'm... obviously, pressing buttons in the background yes, because yes. my download has finished? Yes. yes. Oh, that is sensational news. Um, yeah, but uh, before I wrote to Madge, I'm just think of all the 
all the things I'm going to do, I need to get FIFA 23. I'm going to I'm going to play as the Ferns and Mackenzie Barry straight into the starting lineup. I want to see the overall rating of the Philippines players and yes, Ireland of course, and I'll see what what other chaos I can cause. But yeah, this oh, is it's going to nice nice little animation of the yeah. World Cup logo. Oh, this, oh, it's exciting! I'm liking it. Just, I I I, I, sh- I should stop. I'm just going to let it do that, and then I'll can absorb it later. Yes, I that. And um, your reactions here, not even me seeing the screen, that is going to cause me to spend more money. But I'm so glad to do it, Madge. Oh, okay. Uh, what's next on the rundown? Uh, so, yeah, news. Uh, love to see this. I'm sure most of you would have heard about this by now. But Matildas versus France in Melbourne on Bastille Day. Sellout or pretty much going to be. So 50,000 people. I mean, we can all remember... Um, crowds of a lot less than 50,000 and the real OGs can remember having to beg to be let into Matilda's game. Shout out to mm-hmm. the fairy godmother of Australian women's football and Odong. But yeah, just it's like, what a time. I am I mean, we, we complain a lot on this podcast and we call out um, things, uh, a lot of things that needed to be improved. We've already done it tonight, but uh, just uh, as long as we as long as we all take it, it's important still, I think, to take some time out to just you know, think about how far we've come. And this is certainly advanced. Um, evidence of that. Does anyone have any other thoughts about the... I think it Melbourne? is awesome. I know uh, a, a few weeks ago, we were, when the, the ticketing issue with people not getting tickets mm-hmm. to the Matildas games at the mm-hmm. World Cup, uh, one of the things that we sort of noted was, well, there's been a lot of Matildas friendly games that have not been selling out in Australia. Mm-hmm. And we were telling people, well, get along to this France game, absolute top quality opponent. If you didn't get your ticket to the World Cup, get along to that game. So it's wonderful to see that that people have sort of turned maybe disappointment if they didn't get into Matilda's games into still getting behind the team and and making uh, what will no doubt be a fabulous send-off game um, against France. So great to see. Yeah, I'm looking at the nondescript ticket providing website at the moment there are no tickets on the third or second floors left there are corner tickets available on the bottom floor on the bottom uh bowl i guess you would call it the pitch is going to be from what i can see the the stand's going to be all the way out so it's a maximum capacity docklands uh if you do not have tickets and you live in the unfortunate city um, get to this game. Um, I think, and I've said this on this podcast a number of times, I think people are going to be completely shocked at how big this tournament is. And I think that this is going to be the first taste of it. Hmm. Yes, I think like, you know, the Asian Cup was was one thing, but I we have really never seen anything like this on our shores. No. So, so if you can get tickets to this game at Docklands, go out and get them. Um, oh. They look like they're relatively affordable from what I can see. I think $15 was the Restricted view tickets, so go on. More power to you. Yep. Matilda's active pregame at Platform 28 there in Docklands as well. And then if you're in Brisbane, we're actually going to have a, a live watch, watch party uh, at the Lord Alfred as well. So lots of places. Oh, the Lord Alfred. Mm. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Always good. And we, we, we love uh, Madge and we love a Matilda's active support plug. And of course, we love everything that they do. So, um, yes, uh, I'm going to assume Stefan. Thanks to Stefan, as always, tire, working tirelessly to um, 
continue producing content for us down in Canberra. And uh, we were notified of the Play On exhibition. It's ta- tagline, uh, celebrating women's football from grassroots to glory. So backing from Capital Football and the University of Canberra, of course, a longtime support, uh, sponsor of Canberra United. So, oh uh, yeah, the uh, details in the pod notes, but yeah, it's just going to be like a, an exhibition, an interactive tribute to the past, present and future of women's football. So, We've got that. Um, also, um, what has Stefan said? Uh, why not take a tour at the uni for the play on exhibition? Oh yeah, that's that's the same thing. I don't know why I said said it twice, but yeah, just chronicling. This is chronicling the history of women's football in the ACT, and I think a point. I, I think Dale said it to me a while ago, not off mic, but just um, it is God's I, country. You are right. I'm glad yeah. that you finally come around. Um. <laughs> Okay, uh, I I will I will happily agree with that uh, for the purposes of pod unity. But it was more your point about um, Canberra and surrounds punching above their weight when it turns. Oh, to women's football. Yeah, wild. Like it's the it's the Wagga Wagga of women's sport. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a thing called the the Wagga Wagga. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I the phenomenon. Um, they have had Wagga specifically. Um, place of a place of many crows. Um, has punched above its weight in yeah. in rugby league and and cricket, and I think that uh, when it comes to football and women's sport more broadly, Canberra is definitely in that same yeah. in that same vein. Um, you know, we've had captains of the Matildas. We have, I mean, she's she definitely wasn't born in Canberra, but one of our own now. She's the yeah. winningest, uh, sorry, uh, highest goal scorer in W League history. I mean, we've got you know the Julie Murray. Caitlin Munoz, Grace Gill, mm. some of the greats of of, of the Dub and, and of the Matildas. And um, yeah, I think that uh, one of the things that, I mean, you look at players like Sasha Grove, who are now coming through yes. and playing for Illawarra. And yes, yeah. they're not going, Illawarra aren't going fantastically as well as they, she as is, well as they play this weekend. She but She gets is, rave reviews from everyone. She does. She scored a fantastic goal on the weekend. Yes, she does. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the, the benefit of having a, a, a place where you are able to fulfill your potential and then move on to bigger and better things um uh, we're, we're blessed in that sense in in, in the ACT you know makes me very proud but proud dad <clears throat> yeah keeps going oh why did I bury the lead when describing the play on exp- exhibition there's c- contributions from two of our own Stefan has content there so does um Anthony Caffrey who's who came on board over the last dub season and has provided some wonderful photographs and he's worth following on mm. Instagram but uh I'm assuming Stefan's provided a uh, 400,000 word uh, novella for the for the exhibition that is $12 on entry. Yes, yes. And uh, 400,000 words and entirely on Carly Rusbacken as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's on this week's uh, Gungarland versus Belgonen game. <laughs> now, also uh, a Paramatildas fundraiser at the Royal Hotel in Queenbeyan. So uh, Queenbeyan, the place I know is um, where the best hairdresser in Australian women's football, Catherine Ilioski, that's where her salon is. But also, uh, yeah, it's great to see we finally have uh, Paramatildas. And of course, these things, it's important to fundraise for them. So Friday, 14th of July, which is very coincidentally timed with Matildas versus France, but I wonder why. But yeah, uh, what's it's we've embedded a Facebook post from Ross Gibbs, so another capital football legend but uh live auction live screening of the tillies game of course guest speakers and uh, proceeds going to the paramatildas so yes um it sounds a bit weird to get to this part of the podcast but as dub teams have finally learned to not announce players 
seven hours before their first game. News from both Perth and Wellington. So I'll start with Perth. Um, shout out to Nick Amys. He'll love this. Perth have signed Isabel Dalton, most recently of Lewis FC in the English second tier, and also a couple of uh, young uh, local talented players who I'm going to assume are from the Hyundai NTC. And so good, good on. I, Good on them for getting a sponsor on board for their NTC. So Grace Johnston, yes, part of NTC. And I know uh, so is Georgia Cassidy, who is part of the Junior Matildas as well. So uh, Alex Aparkis clearly, um, you know, kind of varying his recruiting as um, he usually does, getting bringing in a strain back from overseas, but also um, keeping an eye on the local scene but that's just me building up to the biggest news and the news that makes me so happy Mackenzie Barry the wall of Wellington will be a wall at the back for two more seasons with Wellington Phoenix and the Phoenix um continuing to do the exact opposite of their um inaugural dub season in terms of planning so that's six players confirmed now the others Chloe Knott Alyssa Winham Michaela Robertson Emma Main she's a new player and uh Marissa Vanderbeers so uh those will uh trickle in um and I think there was that news recently, players like Isabel Gomez were not retained. So, you know, there'll they'll be a bit of change, but at least they've got time to plan this properly. Um, let's see, just briefly, Nordic football. Unfortunately, Tamiki Alp still not available for a brand, but uh, another full game for Larissa Crummer, but brand lost to Carly Ruspecken's old club, Lillestrom. And Tegan Micah, love to see this. Another full game for the shot stopper, one or draw between Rosengar, her Rosengard and Udebru. My God, there's no chance of me getting this right. Um, uh, oh yeah, the real Aussie Fest when Vitzel played Hummerby. Uh, full games for Charlie Grant and Kyra Cooney Cross. About an hour for Katrina Gori. Unfortunately, Claire Polkinghorn still unavailable. I and- think I saw Claire Polkinghorn in a minivan with the Matildas. So I think she's here. Very ah, well, niche. <laughs> she's, on some I think I sort saw of Claire social Bogging media. On some social taking, media. Stealing people off the street. Yes. <laughs> God damn. Oh, let's say. Anyway. Um, well, well, that would be why she's unavailable. I think that makes a lot of sense. So that's, we can all relax about Claire Polking on situation. Um, <laughs> full game for Ivy Lewick as uh, her league-leading Bika Hecken defeated Vecco by three goals to nil. And then a nil or draw from between Chelsea Dorber's Norshipping and Linshipping. And Chelsea Dorber played the last 25 minutes for Norshipping. But the big Nordic news I want to make uh, all of us happily, especially Madge, it's a Queen's ladder just like you. Winona Heatley has a winner's medal. Her Norshalan defeated Fortuna Yering uh, 2-0 in the Danish Cup final. And there they go. They learned their lesson with enough time till the end of the season. Play with Oatley Heatley and you win games, or in this case, you win trophies and medals. Finally. Okay. And what a, what a great photo there yeah. uh, in the pod notes. Yes. Winnie holding the gigantic cup yes. uh, and and having a bite on the, the winner's medal. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, that, that standard. Oh, it's real. It's real gold. Or, I don't know. Why, why do they do it? To prove it's real gold? I have no idea. Yeah. But, uh, Maybe hoping it's chocolate, but you know. Ah, well, I mean, that, mm. <laughs> that would be a bonus. <laughs> ah, let's see. So, I'm... Yes, uh, yeah, while we, we might as well go from uh, a Queenslander doing all overseas to Kappa Super Cup, match. So I believe you've watched some action. Yeah, so one of the semifinals uh, happened on the weekend here. Lions took on Mitchelton. And um, so I was, I was watching it and it was a really interesting game. I think Mitchelton had a few injuries out, unfortunately, but 
put up a very impressive fight against uh, the always impressive Lions. Lions only managed to break the deadlock. Uh, I, I, I don't have the exact minute, but it was very late in the game. So maybe in the 80 something minute, but then Mitchelton um, were able, at, it was through Amy Gunston that uh, opened the scoring. Then Mitchelton were able to get back into the game in I think in the 90th minute and send it into extra time. So uh, I think Ellen Gett had had a, a, a great chance earlier in the game as well, but uh Gibson I think was I was the one who who just towed towed the ball away to to draw the game send it into extra time but then yeah it really felt like Mitchie sort of ran out of legs uh a little bit and and Lions were sort of able to run over them in extra time with uh um uh Megan uh, McElligot uh scoring the winner so they'll be going Lions will be going to, a, to another Super Cup final probably aiming for collecting a whole bunch of trophies again this season, mm. still waiting on the second semi-final, which is Souths going up North to play. I don't have it in front of me. That's very bad of me. E e back, back. They're playing MA Olympic. Yeah. So uh, um, up somewhere north cans perhaps <laughs> wherever paradise park is paradise park um, no. speaking that... of god's country paradise up there um so so that's on july the 8th so we'll see who lions will be taking on in the final uh, i can't I, I have to be the last person to judge match here because that's how i react whenever uh, a sydney npl team plays plays a, a regional team in a cup. Queensland like, is a big state. I, like massive. honestly, I just yes. go, oh, which is first Townsville, Mackay, Cairns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh Dale, before I like before I like enforce my agenda on the podcast again, I think you I'd give you first go at the talking on the weekends in New Sorry. It is Sorry, in Townsville. Formerly Brolga Park. Oh, that's a, uh, we look that's forward nice to seeing the continued growth of football in North. Thank you, Football Queensland, for your excellent synopsis. Uh, yeah, look, um, pretty weird old game. Pretty weird old week, to be honest. Oh, yes. um, Olympic got done by Football New South Wales Institute 2-1 at home. Uh, Sydney Uni got done by Bulls 1-0 mm. uh, at Northbridge. Um, Rams beat uh, MacArthur Rams beat Northern Tigers 2-0 at Linwood Park. Uh, the result of the round, undoubtedly, though, was RPF finally losing their winning streak 2-3 yes. to Bankstown City in one of just the weirdest games of football <laughs> you'll see in a long time. Um, Susan Fonsoncam had two goals within the first three minutes <laughs> um, and then provided a third uh, after about 20. And then Bankstown had a goal, just we scored a penalty through Ashley Cross just before the uh, end of the first half and then scored another one through Tash Pryor after about 70 minutes. And yeah, Bankstown become the first team to beat Apia since MacArthur in last year's semi-final, yeah. uh, which I believe was a 15 game uh, undefeated streak. Didn't meet uh, Sydney Uni's 40 odd yeah. um, from a few years ago, but still super impressive. Um, Apia are still the, the team to beat this season, but unfortunately they're only four points clear at the top of the league now. So mm. um they, I, I don't know if they're going to have to change too much, but they were, um, they they were harried out of this result uh, in the first half by Bankstown. They were Bankstown were very impressive with their press. Um, don't have too much negative to say about them, to be honest. 
Yeah, and um, as someone who loves uh, people doing well against their former clubs, of course, Susan Fong, okay, former Apia player, and mm. Matthew Costantini, former Apia coach. So Former Apia head coach, exactly. Apia head coach. He now, in his last four games against Apia, he has three wins and a draw. And he actually, he was he intended this for another podcast I do, but I'm going to say it here. Apia haven't beaten Bankstown City in a in about 780 days. And so yeah. it's their last, yeah, their last meeting was, I think a two all draw at Jensen park, if yeah. I recall correctly, yes. and, um, which yeah. I might have covered in a wrap as well, yes, but possibly. I cannot confirm. And then Bankstown doing the double over up here last year. And I think up here may have beaten them in 2021. It's some, but, but, uh, but anyway, that's yeah. So yeah, the Costantini uh, curse, you might call that for up here. Mm. Um, also commiserations to um, more lost footage. Cause um, once again, we were denied. I, what I assume is a Sienna Savesca banger. Cause I know she scored. Um, the opening goal is Institute beat Olympic 2-1, but we just don't have the footage and it always seems to affect games involving Olympic. Mm. Mm. Um, we'll get on Stingray's Jets in a bit. Um, uh, Trudy Burke continuing to break my heart, um, saved a penalty against Manly early in the year, then saved a penalty against Bianca Galich, but it's all good for Manly because um, finally, <laughs> we finally won a game for the first time since what feels like years. And uh, yes, I'll more on that uh, great day for manly in a bit but uh yeah might as well keep talking about act thanks as always to stefan for giving us these capital football notes ah maddie whittle it's like she never stopped playing football just the casual four goals for her as olymp canberra olympic beat canberra united academy for five goals to nil more detail uh, just uh the full detail in the notes of course i'm intrigued holly murray started for canberra united academy so they must have increased their age limit because um they I thought they were 18 and under team. Holly Murray it ter, either has turned or will turn 19 this year, but whatever. It's as long mm. as long as Holly Murray's play, playing football and developing, that's the main thing. Um oh uh, big names, uh Chloe Lincoln's uh Canberra Croatia debut, the incredibly tall shot stopper has uh, switched teams. And Michelle Heyman's first appearance for the Gunners in 2023. That's the game Stefan wrote about. Uh CCFC beat Gungarland by two goals to nil. Um, also, a uh, bit of a commentator's nightmare here. ANU defeating West Canberra Wanderers 2 1 with goals from Edith Fordyce Croker and Sophia Tavera Kaya. But, uh, uh, well, but, um, you know, it's good. ANU, not uh, their first year in NPL Capital Football, and uh, they're getting some results. That's good for the students. And, uh, yeah, Belconnen 2, Tuggeranong United 1. So, uh, actually, well done to Tuggeranong. I think it's. I hope this doesn't sound patronizing, but they're bottom of the table. Single goal defeat to Belcon and who are really strong. So I think that they deserve some credit for that. Now, um, let's move on to Queens, Kings, and Vampires of the Week. So, uh, Dale, you can go first. Uh, I have two Queens of the Week. Uh, my first Queen of the Week is Serena Bolden. Uh, she has found a new lease on life by the looks of things. Mm. Uh, and the Illawarra Stingrays. She already had a goal this season in four appearances and notched another four this weekend mm-hmm. as Illawarra beat the Emerging Jets uh, 8-1. She had a four-goal haul by halftime. She probably could have been off down to Chico's uh, over the break, um, oh. but she did receive, uh, she did register another, I think another, t- at least one more assist. Mm. Uh, and Sasha Grove 
uh, with two and Michelle Carney with the other one. And my other Queen of the Week is Grace Gill, who announced her retirement from football this week. Uh, I believe it's her birthday today. Um, but yeah, she announced her retirement from football uh, at all uh, at all levels. And good for her. She's one of the good ones, friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has really come on in leaps and bounds in terms of her commentating uh, and her punditry. I think that we all... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that we've all been incredibly pleasantly surprised with with how well she has taken to this. We all knew that she was uh, a great commentator from her time working with Russ Gibbs uh, on Canberra United games, but uh, she's really taken her her quality to another level over the A League women's season. And yeah, um, she caught a game by herself this year as the as the main 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 commentator, and now she's on the Women's World Cup. So um, yeah. From, from us at Beyond 90. Um, enjoy retirement, and um, we will be looking forward to hearing your hot takes soon, Grace. We certainly look forward to that. Madge, uh, we've possibly given this away, but who is your queen of the oh, week? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be you know, very predictable and and give it to Winnie Heatley for you know, starting, of course, and then, of course, them winning the Danish Cup final. So uh, well done to Winnie uh, on getting some nice trophies and medals in her cabinet. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it's, it, it can be tough psychologically. She was in and out of uh, the starting lineup at Nordschland this year, but, you know, she always, I mean, the, the, it was more than correlation. I mean, her playing time and uh, how Nordschland did in games. So uh, good to see her um, have that, uh, have that medal. And, you know, one of, she'll look back on that uh, when her career is done and think about that would be one of her uh, fondest ever memories. Um, I, before I do my own personal selection, uh, just something that I decide will be from all of us. Cause uh, our very own Neil Bennett will be part of football West's uh, women's standing committee for the next two years, a committee tasked with driving the development of women's football in Western Australia. Of course, Western Australia, the home state of Sam Kerr, obviously, but also Hannah Lowry, the McKenna sisters, Miranda Templeman. So uh, yeah, Neil Bennett's been a strong advocate of the need to improve things in women's football in his, um, you know, adopted home state. Cause he's originally from England, but I think I uh, can't think of a better person to um, help drive change. Uh, for our friends at the uh, what for the three of us is the opposite end of the continent. Then uh, my even more predictable selection than Madge's. Um, so yes, my my employers. I've I've been waiting for this the whole season, but finally, a Manly United won six out of six games in football New South Wales Girls Youth League and NPL New South Wales Women's. So uh, the clean sweep, the absolute clean sweep over Gladesville Ravens. And um, uh, let's let's find let's see if I annoy anyone with this joke. But on Sunday, Glazeville was spelt with six L's. Uh, and then, say, sticking with sticking with very this, good, yeah, very good, <laughs> and and a joke I may have stolen off you, Dale. To be honest, after something you put in the group chat on Sunday, but yeah, it's and sticking with um, the first great game between Manly United and Glazeville Ravens in the transfer window. Uh, Manly United signed Daisy Arrowsmith, who is from the Northern Beaches, but. Oddly enough, had never played NPL for her local team. She scored her first two Manly United goals as Manly beat Ravens 2-0. Two very, very nice finishes. Mm. And I think going to be the first two of so, so many goals that Daisy Arrowsmith is going to score for Manly. If she's 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 recovered from an early season injury, this may, will we finally see her in the dub this season? I hope so. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it from us, unless the, either of you two have anything to add. 
No, it's oh, good. It's good. So, um, better ready. wrap this up because Madge has very, very important FIFA business to attend to. <laughs> so, on behalf of Magella Card and Del Roots, this is Eric Subihano signing off for episode 153 of the Beyond 90 podcast. Um, thanks for your support. Uh, whatever platform you choose to listen to us on, wishing you a life full of good vibes, great coffee, sick tattoos, razzlers, and clean sweeping teams in girls, youth league, and NPL New South Wales women's. I'm so happy it happened. See you next time.